ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Good evening. Hello, everybody, and happy Mother's Day. Good to have you with us. A great show lined up for you tonight. It's funny because we, we book these shows weeks, sometimes months in advance. And these holidays like Mother's Day <laughs> kind of sneak up on you. Then I feel bad, like, oh, no, I've got people booked to be my guest and it's Mother's Day. And uh, but it works out. I guess, uh, you know, we, we, we were able to uh, confirm all of our guests this week and, and everything is good. And uh, looking forward to a great show tonight, even though it is Mother's Day. and We're pulling some mothers away from their families. At least one mother I know, our, our guest that's coming up at the bottom of the hour, Carrie Russo, will be here along with Jeff. Jeff McLaughlin, and they work uh, with PTSD sufferers, and we're going to be talking tonight about post-traumatic stress disorder, and this is not just something that affects the military. It affects people across, really, I mean, all ages, all ethnic backgrounds, all geographic locations, all economic uh, levels. I mean, this is something that affects millions upon millions of people, and there are some really new breakthrough solutions for PTSD. We'll be talking about that tonight at the bottom of the hour. And then next week, our special guest in the guest segment is Randy Williams. Uh, he'll be back with us to talk about his book on the legendary Jack the Ripper case, which uh, I know all of you true crime fans will be excited about that. And in about 13 minutes uh, from now, uh, joining us in our new segment is our good friend, Ellie Marzuli. He'll be here to talk about his ban from the video platform Vimeo. Uh, a lot of social media censorship is going on right now. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, especially with coronavirus, um, if you go off the, um, the narrative at all from what you're supposed to say, I got in trouble. I got a couple of slaps from Facebook for posting some articles suggesting that people might have had this maybe as early as January. Uh, and now we're finding out that that's actually true. But the Facebook fact checkers uh, said that that was fake news that I was posting, and I got two warnings over on my ChristianMoney.com page. So, you know, we'll see. I, I continue to use Telegram when I'm posting things that I think are a little bit edgy uh, and worried about maybe Facebook taking me down altogether. I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I continue to explore alternate platforms. And so I've been using Telegram uh, as a great alternate platform in my Telegram address. You'll find it in all of my social media connections at the bottom of my website, christianmoney.com. If you scroll to the very bottom, you'll see all of my social media links are there. Okay, let's get into it tonight. So much to talk about in the news. I want to start with Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden just does not look good. And I'm not saying this as a guy who, you know, wants Trump to get reelected or as a Republican or as a conservative. I'm just, you know, just saying this from just being honest, looking at the situation. I saw a video today. It was a commercial. I was watching a news story, and before the news story, there's a commercial with Joe Biden. And, you know, you figure with these commercials that people are going to look their best. You get to take whatever number of, you know, takes you need on the video. You have all the great makeup and lighting and everything. Man, I'll tell you, he does not look good or sound good at all. And uh, this commercial, just super low energy. He j he looks sickly. He really does. And... uh um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I still have this call me crazy. I still have this idea that Hillary Clinton is lurking and somehow she's going to be part of this next election somehow. I just have this feeling and I could be dead wrong. A lot of people have talked about Andrew Cuomo as well. It, I just I think something's going to have to to happen here. I, I just don't see Biden as being a viable candidate. He just looks shaky. And I, I don't know what they're going to do about debates with the coronavirus and all of that, if we're even going to have uh, the big debates with audiences and all that. But man, oh man, he just does not look good. And speaking of uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, uh, some good news coming out of New York. Cuomo said today that we are back where we started saying that New York coronavirus hospitalizations have fallen back to March levels. So we're, we're seeing this subsiding really all across the country, which is so fantastic to see that happening. And remember, the whole point of the shutdown and the social distancing and the masks and closing the schools, the whole shut, the whole purpose of this, the whole point of this was to flatten the curve so that the hospitals were not overwhelmed. This was never about preventing it from spreading, uh, but that's sort of what it became later. Later in this shutdown process, people started talking about keeping the shutdown in place until there's a vaccine this sort of talk, which was not the original plan behind the shutdown. The original plan, the issue was we can't overwhelm the hospitals. The hospitals don't have enough ventilators. They don't have enough beds. We can't allow too many people to get sick at the same time. That was the original issue, which it later sort of transitioned on to we don't want people to get sick at all. Um, we're, we're looking at an extremely high recovery rate from this. So what it seems to be about right now without a vaccine is people are going to get sick. But the good news is we've got hospital beds. We've got ventilators. We, we've got a number of experimental cures that are being worked with. So that's it's all good news. But yet but yet there are still people that are holding on to this like they don't want it to end. Um, you know, this week I, I heard from someone who um, canceled their child out of a, a summer camp. And they were expressing to me that, look, they think this is going on for months and months and months, maybe as long as a year. And they just, they don't want their child to be outside the house. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, I don't know. I mean, kids are resilient, right? But I mean, how long can you keep your kids trapped inside the house. I, I just don't see that as a as a long term option for families. 
Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, I think part of this too, there's obviously a political agenda to this. There's a political side to this. You have almost lining up by, you know, almost to the state. It's, it's really a blue state thing. Now the blue states want to stay shut down and they're demanding enormous, enormous federal bailouts and payments uh, before they're going to be able to reopen here in Florida. So here's the good news in Florida. We're hearing so many good things. We're in phase one now. We've been in phase one for about a, a, a week or so. And um, we're now looking at tomorrow, all the barbershops and salons are, are being open. Uh, I had a chance to have a sit-down meal here in Florida this week. Uh, my daughter and I went over to Mount Dora, which is one of our favorite little towns. We went over there, had a sit-down meal. So things are getting back to normal. But some people are just stuck in this paradigm that this is going on forever. And I'm still seeing bizarre things like people driving around in their cars alone with masks on, people riding bicycles. <laughs> Nobody's around them. They're on a bicycle and they've got the mask on. And I'm and I'm thinking of my I saw an, I saw an article this week from I think it was running magazine about running. You're out jogging with the mask on. <laughs> I, I get it. Some people want to be super careful. But look, if you're out in the woods running by yourself, you don't need the mask on. I'm not a medical expert. I'm not trying to play one on the radio, but I'm just trying to figure out, you know, do you think the virus is chasing you on your bicycle down the street when you're riding your bicycle by yourself? And and then this this is interesting. Some workers don't want to come back to work because unemployment for a lot of people is more than their regular paycheck. And um, this is something, you know, a couple of senators, when this was all being crafted, had had pointed this out. And I think one of them was Lindsey Graham. But on in Florida, for example, you get $875 a week not to work. $875 not to go to work. That's a lot of money for, for a lot of people. I mean, that's like a $42,000 a year job. And, uh, you know, God bless people. They needed that money to help them through this. And I know not everybody's even gotten all of their unemployment money. Um, but, uh, you know, it looks like now's the time to go back to work in a lot of areas. This story in today, Elon Musk, of course, uh, the founder of Tesla, says he is immediately moving the California Tesla headquarters. Uh, he's moving either to Texas or Nevada immediately, he says, due to the prolonged shutdown in California. And he's long been a critic of the shutdown and how it's being managed in California, uh, suggesting that, uh, as he's told his employees, you have a greater chance of being killed in an auto accident than you do from coronavirus. And uh, sometimes Elon Musk does go a little bit off script and says things like when he goes on this Joe Rogan podcast. I don't know what it is. Joe Rogan is like the new Oprah. You know, people go on the Joe Rogan podcast. My son, who is uh, he he's young. He is. What, what is our, our son? Let's see. He is uh, 28 years old now. He'll be in, in a month. And he loves watching that Joe Rogan podcast that Joe Rogan has got, I don't know, four or five million people watching his podcast each, each episode. So the guy's just a, a giant. Anyway, Elon Musk says that's it. He's uh, 
he's getting out of California. I think a lot of people are doing that. Honestly, I think that is is really just the beginning. I saw an article today about real estate values, and and it was an interesting article because they said that basically you have pre-coronavirus real estate values, and then you have post coronavirus real estate values. That is the entire real estate market is going through a reset based on uh, people wanting to be out of these, you know, really dense urban areas. So you might have before coronavirus had a, you know, $500,000 house, maybe, you know, near a big city. It could very well be they're saying you might have lost 25% in value or something crazy like that because people don't want a house like that now because of this happening. So so we're seeing some um, effects of this that are going to be for the long run. We already knew this, right, that there was an exodus from big cities. People wanted to get out of big cities. But I think I don't think it's as much about coronavirus, why people want to get out of the big cities. I think what has happened is the entire nation has had an epiphany. And the epiphany is that people can work from home. And people can be productive working from a home office, maybe even more productive. And companies are saying, now, wait a minute, we could cut down on our size of our offices. Uh, people don't have to commute. That means they have more time in the day, a better quality of life. And if, people, and if that's the case, if you're a telecommuter, you could live anywhere. I mean, you could buy a little house in, in Iowa or something for maybe 20% of the house cost of the house you're living in right now. So I think that epiphany of the telecommuting is is really something that has changed America. And I think we're going to see some a continued major exodus from the blue states and in particular the large cities. Of course, this week, the big news, Michael Flynn exonerated. All charges dropped, which was fantastic. Um, but I thought it was fascinating that Obama came out. Obama is not happy. And he says, quote, the rule of law is at risk, end quote. Now, everybody that's looked at this case from every angle says that Flynn was basically put into a perjury trap. We now have the emails, the text messages, everything showing that Flynn was being set up. But yet Obama, who has been quiet in recent years since he's been out of office, uh, he's becoming more, you know, making more public statements now that we're getting close to the election. But I kind of have a theory on this. I have a theory about why Obama is now coming out publicly and weighing in on the Michael Flynn case, uh, which, by the way, he should be weighing in apologizing because apparently everything I'm reading says that Obama knew all about this and was maybe at the uh, the, the, the core of this whole plot, this plot to get Michael Flynn. But in any case, theories continue to spin that maybe, maybe, Barr is going to go all the way up to Obama with whatever he's been working on. And it's been really quiet, right, with coronavirus. We're not hearing about this deep state investigation into Comey and Clapper and, and Strzok and Page and all of these, these players. But I have this feeling that something big, something big is about to happen. And then one last quick story here before we get to our friend Ellie Marzulli, which is who is holding uh, for us right now. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell, yeah, that Rosie O'Donnell uh, says she is helping former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen to write his so-called spicy tell-all book about Trump. 
Now, this is May and the election is in November. Somehow this book, you know, normally takes six months to a year for a book to come out. If you go through traditional publishing, which, you know, I've spent a lot of years in that in that side of things. I bet you they're going to find a way <laughs> for this book to magically get written and published and printed and in all the bookstores at least a month or two before the election. But uh, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong on that. All right. Let's go to our newsmaker line. We bring in a, a guest during our news segment, and he's going to be back with us in a few weeks for our, our guest segment to talk about what's going on with him. But our good friend Ellie Marzulli is here. And Ellie, I wanted you to tell us all about this ban you got from the video platform Vimeo. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Uh, am I coming through? Yes, sir. We can hear you great. Wonderful. Well, um, you know, with this whole COVID-19 uh, Wuhan virus, whatever you want to call it, I prefer the Wuhan virus because that's where allegedly it came from. Um, look, we're we're basically in the fog of war. Information... Um, we know that that many reporters basically just lie. They'll completely twist the facts, uh, confabulate the story. It's unbelievable. So it's hard to say what's really going on. So I've been blogging about this, and and I basically had several blogs. And what I mean by blogs is uh, we have a PPS report, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural Report. So we've been doing five shows a week, uh, Monday through Friday right here in our studio in Oklahoma, and we've been putting them up on YouTube and Vimeo. And so Vimeo didn't like that, and they, um, without warning, by the way, completely deplatformed me and took all of the money that we had earned from our films, which are on Vimeo, Vimeo On Demand, all of our Watcher series, all of the new series, Amitrail of a Nephilim, uh, Fatima 1, Fatima 2, those are our, our films, our documentary films on the operations of Fatima, the UFO film, UFOs are real, in their own words. It was over well over $10,000, and they just took it, and you have no recourse. I am calling the FCC tomorrow. I am going to be as vociferous in public as I can. <clears throat> this is discrimination. This is uh, selective enforcement, as it were. And what I mean by that is I stated in one of my PPS reports that I believe that the Wuhan virus and what we were looking at was a classic wag the dog. In other words, when this thing broke, oh, it came from the wet markets. Well, they're starting to dial that back now after, you know, what is it, six, eight weeks? So they're, they're dialing it back. Well, it's 20 miles away from the Wuhan lab. In my opinion, and it's just my opinion, people can believe what they want, um, that's a classic wag the dog. Oh, it, it jumped from the bat species into humans and the, and the Wuhan wet market, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, uh, the, the level four bio lab is less than 20 miles away. So critical thinking says that, you know, what, where, where, where is the culprit really? Where, where would I first go? Why is, why is allegedly the, the Wuhan lab closed? So I started blogging about that and, and, and talking about it uh, on politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. And what I did was I gave three examples uh, or two examples before this one. I said, look, the JFK assassination, JFK was killed. There's no doubt about that. He was gunned down in Dallas. Uh, we were led to believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. Many people have disputed those claims. And immediately, if you dispute the official narrative of the Warren Report, you are labeled 
and this is where the, this is where this label came from, a conspiracy theorist. In other words, if you challenge the official narrative, you are a conspiracy theorist. Never mind that, well, wait a minute, I'm just looking at the facts here. Uh, why did the Warren Report, let's stay on JFK for a minute, why did the Warren Report selectively choose who they were going to interview? And many of the transcripts of the people that were interviewed that, that, that had information were not interviewed. How is the suicide rate of, like, all the eyewitnesses? What about the eyewitnesses with the grassroots? I'm going to stay on this the rest of the hour. We don't have time for that. But the bottom line is there are many books now written about this. There was the film JFK, which I truly believe was, was a wonderful composite of many of the alternative theories. Um, I talked to an ex-CIA guy, and I, you know, we remain anonymous, and I asked him point blank, was the agency involved? And he just looked at me and nodded his head. Affirmative. Um, I can't prove that. I have no idea. But we know that there is a deep state. We know that there is a shadow government. The deep state is a military-industrial complex, which works tandem, hand-in-hand, with these entities from the deep state or the shadow government. Ellie, let me let me jump in. I I want to ask. I want to I want to interrupt you and ask you though about. We know for a fact. We know for a fact. Even if it's true that the lab in China did not create this virus or did not release this virus, even if that is true, we know that they suppressed information that would have been helpful right. to us. Absolutely. We know that they have repeatedly yeah. lied. We know that they have done everything they can to to not disclose to us the information that we would need. So it, it's like it's almost like the idea of this argument uh, you know, if let's say that I accidentally ran you over, right? But then I decide I'm going to back over you again and then run over you a second time. Maybe the first time was an accident, but then when I backed over you and and went forward again and then went back over you again, when when I've done that three or four times, the the other parts of it certainly cannot be denied. What do you make of these major? corporations seemingly uh, jumping to the defense of China. Um, This is a new thing. I mean, we've got uh, Google censoring to the benefit of China, Twitter uh, censoring to the benefit of China, Facebook censoring. Um, It seems like there is more of a support. You know, the United States, we're now the evil bad player in the world, according to our corporate America. But China is supposedly good. I mean, th- these are people that have they've got they've got internment camps. They've got uh, slave labor. They've got uh, communist rule. They've got murder on demand. Uh, what is it about corporate America that seems to be coddling uh, China and wanting to defend China? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Um, and it gets into the Democratic Party. It gets into Biden. It gets into Hunter Biden, who made how many millions of dollars through the Chicoms? Uh, the Chicoms is an incredibly brutal regime. Uh, many corporations are in bed because of the cheap labor, the slave labor. They can get stuff made. Uh, I think that the, that the this is complete conjecture. But look at the timing. Trump slams the Chicoms with the trade agreement, and uh, you know time for the Chicoms to stop uh, ripping us off, taking our intellectual property. And the Chicoms don't like that. They know militarily they can't go toe-to-toe with us, nor do they really want something like that, I don't think. So what do they do? And this is complete conjecture. They release the Wuhan virus. They know about it. And what has it done? It's crashed the global economy. We've never seen anything like this 
In all in the entire planetary history, we've never seen anything even remotely close to this. The, the closest thing would be the, the Spanish flu. But it's not like this where the entire enti entire uh, country shut down and quarantined and all these draconian laws and, and craziness that, that, that we see happening. So this is it's a very complex deal. But the timing of it to me is incredibly suspicious, incredibly suspicious. And allegedly they knew the Chicoms knew that this was, in fact, uh, transmissible human to human. And, of course, we have Anthony, you know, Tony, Fiat, Dr. Fiasco is what I've labeled him, because he's the guy that's responsible for telling Trump to shut everything down. So Trump did with the idea that 2.2 million people would die if we didn't do that. Now we find, and this is all over the all over the media, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But allegedly that the study allegedly that that uh, point of the 2.2 million deaths in America is completely flawed. The model that Dr. Fiasco and Dr. Burks was following is utterly flawed in every way. So let me get this straight. And this is something that your listeners need to understand. Why is it and how is it that Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Costco, and other big box realtors remain open who have probably five to ten times the amount of traffic in them as, let's say, a hair salon or a smaller restaurant? You get what I'm going with this? Why Why is they? Why are they allowed to remain open, and everybody else is shut down? How does that work? When a, when a Lowe's probably has ten times the amount of people going into it in a day, or a Costco ten times the amount of people going into it as a small restaurant that has twenty tables. How does that work? How does that work? I even wondered. Why, why I, I even wondered, LA. Why is it okay to load up Greyhound buses? Amtrak trains, airplanes, you can load those types of things up, but you can't put people into a restaurant dining room. It's it's like, is this virus smart enough to know that the one is a restaurant and the other is a Greyhound bus? I mean, you put 67 people into a Greyhound bus for 20, 30 hours on some of these cross country trips and they're all still running yeah, uninterrupted. Exactly. The same thing with Amtrak. Yeah. I know a lot of the planes have less people in there, but you're breathing recirculated air yeah. for hours and you're, you know, elbow to elbow with people in, in airplanes and that's okay, but it's not okay to go into uh, even a, a, a little hot dog stand that I like to go to for lunch a couple times a week. It's all outdoor seating with picnic tables. The poor guy had to shut down. He had to put yellow tape around all of the tables you couldn't sit down at a picnic table and eat your hot dog. <laughs> he said they were even watching him. And yeah, if, well, you, I mean, if you ate your hot dog in your car while you were parked in his parking lot, they would come up and cite him if they saw you eating. So he was out having to walk the parking lot telling people, no, you, you have to drive across the street uh, to eat the hot dog. You can't even sit in the parking lot inside your car with the windows up and eat the hot dog. It's draconian. It's absolutely absurd. And, you know, like you talked about earlier, I heard you talking about people driving around with a mask on in the car. I mean, it's the height of absurdity, in my opinion. And we don't know the efficacy of the mask. We don't know. I mean, you hear conflicting reports, just like this, you know, Dr. Um, Judy Mikovits, who the pandemic video, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have on my show tomorrow, Derek Gilbert, who sort of deconstructed it. But the question is, you know, she's not here to defend herself. She made some incredible, incredibly damning accusations towards Dr. Fiasco and this whole thing. She's obviously anti-vax, 
But let me circle back to where I was going. So you've got JFK, which Kennedy died, all right? The next big thing, and, and basically from that moment on, the deep state, the shadow government took control. We have not had a real president since then, except for Ronald Reagan, who tried to kill him too. Enter Donald Trump, who was never supposed to be president. Hillary was there. All, Hillary was the pick. She was ahead in all the polls. Well, here we are, right? And from the get-go, now we find out that there was a concerted effort for a soft coup by the Obama administration. And I'm no prophet, but I'll tell you right now, this goes all the way up to the Oval Office, in my opinion. That's conjecture on my part, but the evidence points to Obama knew, Biden knew, Hillary knew. I mean, I mean, I could spend an hour on that. But back up for a second. So you have JFK. The next, the next major event in, in, in my lifetime is the collapse of the Twin Towers. And this is what got me, because this is, again, conspiracy theorists. If I say JFK is shot and killed, not by Oswald, oh, I'm a conspiracy theorist. If I say that something else we're looking at on 9-11, and I don't believe the official event. Oh, and by the way, over 1,500 engineers and architects have coalesced and stated on the record that Building 7 did not – it's impossible for Building 7 to collapse at free fall speed when it wasn't hit by an airplane from a fire. It's the first steel, steel metal building in, in modern history to collapse like that. It falls in its own footprint at free fall speed. It's impossible. And that's why architects and engineers look at this, and do you think Congress will do anything? Of course not. They're all in it together on some level, for sure. So the fact that I mentioned JFK – 9-11, and then I tied it into the COVID-19 thing and said, look, we're being set up. This is a managed agenda. And that's what it is. It's a managed agenda. And it was that and day that you that, said that you said that that's where uh, Vimeo pulled you. And, you know, I mean, uh, we have got to and we've only got one minute left in the news segment. We're having you back for a whole <laughs> guest segment here soon, my producer says. Um, but we have as Christians, as conservatives, we have got to find new places, new platforms on social media. And uh, I'm going to be working on that really hard over the next year or so. I hope you will as well. I've been using Telegram a lot lately, which is a, a free speech platform, which is you can put videos up there and you can post things and there's no censorship. It's it's sort of free reign. I, I love it. Yeah, uh, we, we we moved everything over to Uscreen TV. OK, that's, where that's we are, good to know. TV. L.A. Marzulli, quickly, give us your website and how people can get in touch with you. And I think you're coming back here within the month to uh, talk about your latest projects. Great. Thanks, Jim. And and what is your yeah, website? L.A. Marzulli.net. L.A. LAMarzuli.net, LAMarzuli.net. If you want our videos, they're up on your screen. They're most of them, not all of them, but some of them are. And that is streaming.LAMarzuli.net. Streaming.LAMarzuli.net. Pretty simple. All right, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless and Godspeed. I wanted to get the update from L.A. being a good friend of the show, being kicked off of Vimeo, uh, which, you know, I mean, for a movie maker, for a filmmaker like himself, whether you agree with everything he says or not, um, you know, the guy, you know, he has a right to his opinion. And I think that's uh, more and more becoming an issue, especially with those people that don't follow the narrative that there is not going to be a platform to be able to share different opinions. Um, and, and I, you know, uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical expert, but I just like to ask a lot of questions about this COVID-19 thing. I think it's real. I think people are really dying. All of that. I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this is made up, but I am saying there's just some strange, bizarre, um, 
policies being put down by the government, and they seem to be picking winners and losers. Um, it seems like uh, small businesses in particular are being left out uh, of this, uh, whether it's on the money side of it, all of the, the grants and loans and everything were eaten up by the big places, and those large companies and large retail operations are, you know, pretty much open. I mean, like like Ellie just said, it's the small business owner that's not getting in on the bailout money and is being forced to stay closed. All right, we'll take a one-minute break. We'll refire the open. We'll be back with our special guests as we talk about tonight post-traumatic stress disorder. A fascinating topic and some folks that know a lot about it and have some great breakthrough solutions. So don't miss it. We'll be back in one minute. Stand by. <laughs> 